Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I remember when I was in school and I was learning how to write. Not just how to write le- like the, the letters of the alphabet, but how to, how to string together sentences and paragraphs and put together essays and, and papers. And I remember in learning how to write that learning the importance of beginning well. How you begin sets the stage for everything. What you say in the beginning ought to point your reader's attention to the story that's about to unfold. What you say in the very beginning ought to even get your audience to think about what is coming in the end. The way you begin matters. And that is why these five words matter. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God created. These are the very first five words of the Bible, and these, therefore, are also the very first five words of the story. The story is our journey over the next nine months. Those of you who are just hopping in with us or joining us online, we're going to be walking through the story. It's a 31-chapter book that takes the very words of the Scriptures and puts them in chronological order so that the Bible story ends up reading kind of like a novel. It's not to replace your Bible, but so that when you go and read your Bible, the pieces of it start to make sense and you learn the overarching story of the Scriptures. So if you plan on being with us at all between now and next May, make sure you have a copy of this book. There's a book table in the back. Pick one up. Again, Pastor Kevin gave you the details about the kids' books that also track along with this. Uh, If you can pick up a book, again, they cost $5, but if you don't have $5, you don't want to pay $5, just take one, all right? We want you to have a copy of this book. Those of you who have read ahead, the way we're doing this is read a chapter and then preach about it. So you should have read chapter one for today. This week, you'd read chapter two in preparation for next week. If you read chapter one of the story, you know that there is a lot in it. There's a lot of biblical information and very important biblical stories listed in chapter one. And so I am not foolish enough to try to preach about all of it today. It would be impossible of me to do that. But what I want to do is encourage you to engage with everything that we are putting together throughout these next nine months. So today on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock between services, I'll teach a Bible class in this room where we're going to dive deeper into the chapter and open up the scriptures. We invite you to participate along with that. Our life groups will meet throughout the week to open up the scriptures further. Our Sunday school kids will be tracking with us. On Wednesday mornings, we release a podcast episode where we will dive deeper into the scripture lessons as well. We will keep all of this archived for you on our website, copperluth.org slash the story, and all these resources will be available for you there. So my invitation and challenge to you over these next nine months is please engage deeply with God's word. So let's start here. Beginnings matter. 
Beginnings matter, and the story of God begins with these five words. In the beginning, God created. Do you ever sit on the shores of Lake Superior and just gaze out on the horizon and stare in, in, in thinking about how vast this big lake is and how powerful it can be? Do you ever climb up to the heights that we have or drive up Brockway Mountain and look down on the valley below, noticing all of the details of each unique tree? Have you ever sat on a blanket uh, during a a nice warm night and, and gazed up at the stars in the sky and tried to count them? But after getting only so far, you get lost and can't find your place anymore? You ever hold a newborn baby and gaze into their face and just get lost in in fathoming? How is it possible that this life came into existence? You notice their little toes and even their fingernails and their light little eyelashes. You watch their little heart beat and their lungs breathe and they've even got a little personality and you just marvel at God's wonder of bringing life into existence. I've been doing a lot of baby gazing over the last 10 days. If you don't know, my wife and I welcomed our fourth child into the world 10 days ago. This is Ari Edward Gerke. He was born on September 8th. We are doing great. Welcome to the world, little buddy. Why do we marvel at God's creation? Why is there this profound feeling of awe when we bask in the beauty of creation and try to find our place in it? It's because in that moment we are coming into contact with this reality. God is creator and I am creation. God is creator and I am creation. In that moment when you're basking in the beauty of creation, it's that wonderment of saying, God, you made all of this and you made me and you placed me here in this place, in this time, with these people, doing this stuff. All right now, God, you did that. You made me. And you care for me? This is what we experience when we bask in the beauty of the creation, is this reality that God created me. And because he created me, I have value and worth and purpose given to me from the greatest source of authority that there ever has been. And because God created all of this, I get to love it. Because God made all of this, I get to live in it. I get the awesome responsibility to care for the creation as God's representative in this world. (laughs) What an incredible joy it is to believe that God is creator and I am not. The Bible is broken into two different halves. 
more like two-thirds and one-third, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is where the story begins, and originally the Old Testament was written in the Hebrew language. In the Hebrew language, there is the word bara. Bara is the word for create, as in God created the heavens and the earth. Throughout the Old Testament, in the Hebrew language, this word is used over and over and over again. Bara, bara, created, created. But only ever is it used with God as the subject of the verb. Now, if you're not a grammar whiz, what that means is the only way that this verb is used is God created. Not Aaron created, not Kevin created, God created, God created, God created. It is the only way this word is used throughout the Bible. God is creator. God took what was not and he made what is. God took nothing and he made everything. There is no greater definition for who our God is than that he is creator. If you are trying to define who God is, one of the best ways to define him that makes him unique from anyone or anything else is the reality that he is creator. God is creator. It is the thing that separates him from us. It is the thing that separates him from the universe. It is the thing that separates him from everything. It is what makes him distinct. He is creator. Everything else is creation. I want to tell you, I believe that in my life, I have had some of the world's greatest inventions in my mind. I just haven't had the aptitude or the, you know, uh, desire to bring them to fruition, but they're here. They're here. I have great ideas, I tell you. Creative one-of-a-kind ideas that nobody else has ever thought of before. When I was in college, I invented something remarkable, something that could change the world. It was a steering wheel cover for your car that had uh, pads on it that was like an electronic drum kit. And when you would hit the different parts of the steering wheel, it would make like cymbals and, and hits and thuds and it would play over the radio. I don't know, I'm a, I'm a steering wheel drummer when I'm driving. And so I thought, what if there's this thing where you hit all the stuff and wouldn't that be a great idea? It could change the world. I don't know if it would be safe, but it would change the world. I don't know if it would. But a couple years later, I actually looked online and another guy came up with this exact same idea. Man, no original ideas. But, in researching my sermon here, I just looked to see if I could purchase one of these things called Smack Attack, and it looks like he never made it to market. So there are a lot of really smart people in this room, some students who are going to be looking for senior design projects. So if you need something, let me know. We'll work together to get the steering wheel drum kit cover put into market. All right. Just, all right. So just think about this, though. Some of you probably think of some really brilliant ideas. We do have some real inventors in this room. Here's what I propose to you, though, today. Even our most original ideas or inventions have to utilize stuff that's already been made. None of you can create out of nothing. 
To invent something, you have to use something that's already either been invented or can be found in nature, right? You can't just make something out of nothing. Some of you really, really smart people are challenging me on that one. So to prove my hypothesis, I would just simply say, even if you have the most original idea, you still utilize something that you did not make, which is your own brain, right? You didn't make your own brain. Somebody gave that to you. His name is God, and you had to use something that was already given to you to make something else. We cannot create out of nothing. Only God can. Now, I know at some point in the sermon, maybe it's already, maybe you've already been thinking about this. Some of you are wondering, all right, pastor, what about the theory of evolution? Does this have a place in Christianity? Or what about uh, what's oftentimes called intelligent design and one of its very many facets and, and ways of interpreting the Bible in the natural world? What about that, pastor? Or maybe you're wondering, how old is everything? What does, what does the church say about how long it took to create? Did it, did it really happen the way that the Bible says? Hasn't science disproven that? What about fossils? What about stars? How does all this stuff work? How does this make sense, pastor? Was there a flood? Hasn't Genesis been disproved by science? Isn't that pure myth and we should just look at the data instead? Those are good questions. Good questions. So let me just tell you this. We take the Bible at its word because God's word is authoritative. So that's point number one. Point number two is this. I am not foolish enough to try to dive into all of that business today. Okay? Uh, but I will at 10 o'clock today, if you want to stick around for Bible class, we're going to try to skirt the, skirt the issues a little bit and deal with this a little bit. Our podcast will probably talk about it some. It'll release on Wednesday. But my second invitation is this. If you are particularly troubled by the world's debates about creation and evolution and how it all makes sense or you're trying to, you know, get your head around this whole thing or maybe your spirit has actually been conflicted by all of this and your reading of the scriptures is you're, you're really lost in it all, here's my invitation to you. Reach out to me. Here's my email address. Send me an email and this is my invitation to get coffee or lunch with you. One of the two, you can decide, coffee or lunch. I am not inviting you to just send me articles or hand me a book and say, hey, pastor, read this. No, I have four young children at home. I'm hungry and I'm tired and I'm inviting you to lunch or coffee for a conversation because that's exactly what needs to happen. So with that being said, let me put this question up on the board and fill in the blank. If I say creation versus... What goes in the blank? Is it a trick question? It is. It's not creation versus evolution. It's creation versus death. The Bible is not concerned with these trivial battles that we come up with in this world, such as creation versus evolution. The Bible is concerned with much more significant stuff. The Bible is concerned with this battle, the battle between life and death. The Bible begins with the true story of how God made life and everything in it and how it was just right and just perfect 
and just the way it ought to be. And then the Bible continues with the story about how humanity messed the whole thing up and how it all fell apart and how what was once right is now wrong. But the beginning of the Bible also tells about how our God who created everything is committed to making everything right once again. This is the story of the creation. Friends, this is it. If you do not understand the beginning of the Scripture, you will not understand the middle of the Scripture, and you will not understand the end of the Scripture. If you do not understand that God is the creator of life, and death is a result of sin, and Jesus came to conquer death once and for all, you will never fully appreciate or understand the Bible. You will never know the lengths that your loving Father has gone to to win you back. This is what it all comes down to, the battle between life and death that our God has won through the cross and the grave of Jesus Christ. And Jesus has promised that he's coming again once and for all to finally set things right by raising the dead and restoring the creation to the way it ought to be. We have to get this right. This is why in chapter 1 of the story, not only is the creation account recorded, but it's also recorded about the fall into sin and how fast sin messed things up. We see the effects of sin immediately impact Adam and Eve and their relationship with one another, their relationship with the creation, their relationship with God. It fell apart immediately. Sin separated. And we see the effects of that sin immediately as they shame one another and as they blame one another. We see the effects of sin immediately, this battle between life and death in the children of Adam and Eve. As Cain kills his brother Abel simply out of spite and jealousy. We see the effects of sin rampage the whole world. So much so that God is so grieved to have to destroy the whole world in a worldwide flood and preserve just Noah and his family and the animals above aboard that ark. These are true stories. Not mythology to prove some point, the true historical account of how things happen in this world. These are true stories about what happens when humanity pretends that God is not the creator. When you deny the reality that God is creator, then life doesn't matter at all. If you deny that God is creator, the only other option you have is to point to yourself for self-preservation, for selfishness, to get what you want when you want it and how you want it. If you deny that God is creator and say that your life is simply a happenstance or an accident or a mere coincidence, if that's how you think you got here, then it means you have no value, no intrinsic value. 
It means you only have value because you created it. And if you just create your value, that's selfishness. And it's not worth very much. But when you believe that your God is your creator, you have value simply because your God brought you into this world. And he wrote your name into the greatest story ever told. Your Father loves you. He knows your name. He knows your thoughts. He knows how many hairs you have on your head. He knows your deepest desires. He knows your greatest faults. And he loves you still the same. I have four children now. Before having children, I knew that God was creator. But since having children, I've learned to actually believe that God is creator. When each of my children were born, I held them in my arms immediately and tears rolled down my cheeks because I was overcome with the thanksgiving and, and gratitude and joy that, that God gifted my family with life. I was also overcome with the reality that this is how God, our Creator, feels about me, His child. He wanted me to live, and so He gave me life. When our infant Ari cries in the middle of the night or at many inopportune times, I try very hard not to get frustrated, but simply to realize that what he is saying and admitting in that moment is that he is totally, completely dependent on his parents. That's what he's saying. What a gift it is as parent then to care for him. And what I recognize in that moment is that it's also right for me and actually good for me to say the same thing to God, God, I am nothing without you. I wouldn't be here without you. My life only matters because of you. This is how I have realized and come to believe even more so that God is our creator. When all of my children come to me with their wants and their needs and their desires, even if it seems unreasonable to my adult ears, I try not to be frustrated with them, but to be patient with them. Because I know I do the same thing to God all the time. I'm totally unreasonable with Him. And yet He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love for me, His child. God created you. He loved you so much He sent His Son into this world to die for you and rise for you. He's coming back for you. You know, I believe that I would do anything for my children but I know without a doubt that God has done everything for me and for you. He has given you life. He is sustaining you life. So give your life into his hands. Praise him for the God that he is and obey his word. For his word is life. This is the story of the scripture. Our God who speaks and life exists. Obey his word, for there is life in the fullness of it. God has created your life, and that is why you are alive in Christ now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen.